0: Welcome to this episode of True Hauntings. This week we meet Lizzie Borden, who is believed to be an axe-hatchet-wielding lady of Fall River, Massachusetts.
1: Lizzie was acquitted of her crimes, and her former home is now a bed and breakfast, attracting people from all over the world to spend the night where father and stepmother were brutally murdered. Did
0: she murder them? Was she guilty or innocent? Does Lizzie still haunt her old home? Guilt, anger, resentment? Stay tuned as we find out and
1: dig deep into the mystery. Hi, I'm Renata Daniel. And I'm Anne Rekovich, And we welcome you to this episode of True Hauntings.
2: Anne and Renata have been investigating paranormal occurrences for the past 20 years been at the center of various unexplained phenomena and have witnessed countless ghostly experiences. The duo now turn to high-profile cases that have attracted the eyes of the world. Between the dimensions we see and the dimensions we don't, supernatural forces are at play. Evil lurks within the shadows of our homes and in the darkest corners of our minds. It follows us like a shadow. Forever, this is where nightmares become reality. This
0: is true hauntings.
1: But let's get on to let's Lizzie. Get
0: on to it now. We're going to change things up a little bit this week, Renata. Normally, you're the one that presents all the the history in the background. Yeah, you-
1: but Lizzie Borden was one of those things you wanted to do because we were going to go and. Be there we and, were, and going to spend time in Lizzie Borden's house. We were. We were but it didn't happen, It this didn't year. happen. No. Thank you, COVID. We were speaking at a women's
0: conference in West Virginia for the paranormal in West Virginia, Moundsville, and Lizzie Borden's place wasn't very far. So we were going to go and uh, meet up with some
1: friends and actually do Lizzie Borden's house. Now, an interesting question before you go on. After doing all the research that we have done on Lizzie Borden's house, would you still go? Huh. Ah. It, yeah, now I'm thinking about it.
0: Nah, I'd probably still like to go just so I can say I've ticked it off my list. Yeah. Because, you know, you read everybody else's reports on things that's happened, but until you go yourself and experience it, you don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I probably still would like to go, but if there was something better on offer, I'd probably go there. <laughs> <laughs> okay,
1: let's just put that out there in the universe and yep. see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> Lizzie Borden took an axe And gave her mother body wax When she saw what she had done She gave her father body one Andrew Borden now is dead Lizzie hit him on the head Up in heaven he will sing Amen Oh, she swing. So tell me what you found out about oh, Lizzie Borden. Lizzie
0: and I are almost twins.
1: Did you oh, know really? that? <laughs>
0: yes, you look so alike. I Not. <laughs> well, we actually share a birthday. Really? Her birthday is on the 19th of July. We don't share the same year. Mm-hmm. She was born in 1860. Mm-hmm. Closer to my age. It's, you would say, it's, I, I beat you
1: to it. There know, you go. I know, you've got to
0: beat me. But <laughs> it's it's just almost 100 years difference to me. Wow. Mm-hmm. I was born in, or oh, right, I'll be honest, I was born in 65, so uh, 1965. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and her, her full name was Lizzie Andrew Borden. So she's actually taken her father's name as the middle name. So Lizzie had an older sister, Emma, and her father was Andrew Borden. Um, Her mother died and Andrew- This is her birth mother you're talking about. Yeah, her birth mother died and Andrew the father remarried only three years after her death to a lady called Abby. Now, at the time, Lizzie was probably about 29 years old and still living at home and had never been married That's unheard
1: of in those times. Yeah, this is spinster territory.
0: Yeah. And, look, she did not have a happy home life. Uh, Her father was a bit strange. He was a bit of a control freak and was quite mean uh, he had a fear of losing his accumulated wealth, so he liked to hoard his wealth. He started off life as a banker, but then became a property developer. So he uh, acquired a lot of property as well as money. He was extremely wealthy and a tight ass. Hmm. Like some of the things that he would do was that he would insist that no food should ever be thrown out, no matter how rancid, it must be eaten. Yuck. Yep, that comes back to bite them later on, so to speak. Bite them in the ass. No? <laughs> uh, they lived in a reasonably nice part of town, but it wasn't the nicest part of town, and they definitely could afford to live in the nicest part of town and with their station as well. So he kept everyone on a very tight leash. He didn't believe in the arts and music
1: and poetry or anything like that and prohibited anything like that in the family home. So it would have seemed as though he thought of that as being a waste of time and the only thing you do with your time is make extra money. Yeah. So he didn't show much in the way of love to anyone
0: at all. Very stern, authoritative man. Um, He would control everyone's behaviour in the house through forms of emotional and psychological abuse. Mm. Use words to hurt people. I hate people that do that. Yeah. Just be nice why can't people just be kind? And imagine that the sisters obviously weren't going to be married. Who on earth was going to come and court these ladies with a father like that? They would be terrified of him. And you know, the father would probably be assuming just going to marry the girls for his wealth. And the sisters probably were slightly warped with their personalities and traumatized by the treatment they'd received by their father. So stepmum, Stepmom Abby, she didn't get on well with the girls either. The girls didn't like her uh, and the girls seemed to think she was a gold digger. But in the end, she got the raw part of the deal. Apart from the fact she was murdered, she got the raw end. Uh, she ended up saddled with the responsibility of two stepdaughters who very openly showed they didn't like her. And it was a marriage of convenience for Andrew, who now had someone to take care of his two adult daughters. So you can imagine these girls would have taken out all their anxiety and aggression on Abby. They'd, can you imagine the little snide comments that were flying left, right and centre? They also refused to call her anything but Mrs Borden. Then
1: mm-hmm.
0: there is another weird story about the family. Now the reason why we, we dig into all of this is that we need to see the emotional layers within the household to see what could lay the foundation for a haunting. So – there's a lot of
1: emotional stuff going on in this house. And it's gone on for years and years. yeah. So yes, from that point of view, this house has lots of memory. So the other strange story is about their maid called Maggie.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, there was a maid called Maggie, but she died and they got a new maid. and her name was Bridget Sullivan. But they like to call her Maggie. They refused to call her by her name. It was more convenient just to say,
1: Maggie. It's it's as if they used the word Maggie instead of servant hmm. or maid. Hey, you. Yeah, <laughs> hey, you. It was just now Maggie. Then they have someone else turn up on the scene. Mm-hmm. A
0: young man called William claiming to be the illegitimate son of Andrew. Oh. Bit of naughty, naughty. Um, He was also reported to be unbalanced and he demanded to be recognised the heir as the heir of the, the estates and also tried to bribe them to get money out of them. So he tried to extort fees. How old was he? I'm not sure. Um, I don't know how old he was and fits into the family scene. Right, yeah. Now, this annoyed poor Abby, the new wife, even more. He must have been older than three because they'd only been together for all a couple of years at that stage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so now they've got everyone fighting over, over the money. The father's not dead yet, mind you, and they're all fighting over who's going to get the money. Um, so what does the father do? He changed his will to leave everything. Everything to Abby's family or
1: a charity. So if they don't pull their socks up, the charity gets it. So he's just dissed the whole bloodline. Yep, and From decided. The first wife. Yep, i just decided. No, nah. so that left Lizzie, Emma, and
0: William without a dime. Mm. And at his death, Andrew's estate was actually worth about three hundred thousand dollars. Now that was back then in today's money. That's nine million US. Mm-hmm. So he was worth a bit. Yes. Now, just to get a sense of who Lizzie was, so Lizzie was the the one that has been accused of the murder. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, she was brought up in a relatively religious household. She used to attend the Central Congregational Church, involved herself in parish activities, taught Sunday school to children of immigrants that were come into the USA. She was involved in Christian organisations such as the Christian Endeavour Society, the Women's Christian Temperance Union, and a member of the Ladies' Fruit and Flower Mission. Don't you love that one? That's just... <laughs> That's adorable. I love it. Adorable. So she must have loved gardening.
1: Yeah, but it also speaks about her um, her sense of commitment to mm. what the family values were and yeah. to the religious beliefs that the family had. And she's also it seems to be helping yes. people as well. Yes, and I've heard a lot about uh, Lizzie and how she was actually a delightful and beautiful young lady. So let's hear what happens. Well, let's hear more. Yeah. All right. So
0: this father is a bit of a nightmare. In 1892, he went out into the barn where there was a lot of pigeons, took a hatchet and hacked their heads off. He killed them. Now, Lizzie had built
1: a roost in the barn for these pigeons. Because he probably would have not even thought about there being any family pets. No, no, no. Well, you wouldn't feed them. You wouldn't no. give them anything, especially
0: the food, because they had to eat the food. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so the the reason being is that the local children were coming in and hunting them and he just didn't want anyone in his barn. So he went and killed all these birds that Lizzie had built a roost for. and A woman building a roost, mm. that would have been – Unheard of. Yeah, unheard of. So she was a bit of a leader there. Um, So apparently she was reported to be upset, but how upset? Nobody's really sure. But there's the bloody hatchet. Mm -hmm. It's rearing its head already. Mm -hmm. Now, in the same year, July 1892, there was a huge family argument and both sisters took an extended vacation to New Bedford. Uh, And when they came home the murders took place just a week after they came home. So the the tensions were rising within the family. Uh, even when they returned back from their holiday, and it must have been bad if, if they've gone on a holiday because the father doesn't want to spend money on anything, And he's allowed them to go on a holiday to get rid of them.
1: Certainly. It sounds like, yeah, the holiday was somewhere where they hatched this plan, possibly. 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 But uh, when they came back, Lizzie
0: actually didn't come home to the family home straight away. She spent four days in a local rooming house before coming home. Mm. Now, what had led to all of this is that the father, Andrew, had started giving away some of his real estate to various branches of Abby's family. Now, this upset the sisters, and rightly so. As the new wife's come onto the scene, he's getting a bit of ending, he's, he's going to treat the new wife to a bit of nice stuff. But I mean, fair enough, she's working hard. Um, so they demanded and received a rental property, and it was the home that they had lived in until their mother died. Oh, so, right. So it was their family home. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. look, I think that's good. Uh, so, they purchased the house from the father for a dollar. But this is weird. A few weeks before the murders happened, they sold it back to their father for $5,000, which is equivalent to about 140000 now. Mm-hmm. So, they've demanded a rental property, but then all they've done is used it to make money. Hmm. The plot thickens. The plot does thicken. So 1892 is the year of all things coming to a head. So now we move to the 3rd of August, which is the night before the murders happen. And then this is where John Morse, this is the brother of um, Lizzie and Emma's mother. All right, so it's uncle, Uncle John to Lizzie and Emma. Mm-hmm. He visited and was invited to stay for a few days to discuss Business matters with Andrew. Now, it's speculated, well, once again, this is all speculation and gossip, and we've discussed gossip in the last couple of episodes, um, that they may have been talking about all these property transfers that was aggravating the situation Mm -hmm. and was upsetting the girls. So the girls probably wrote to him and said, Uncle John, this is happening here, what can we do? So was there a bit of a um, tenseness between Andrew and Uncle John? Does this make him a possible suspect in the murders?
1: It sounds like everyone's getting involved, yeah. or could be looked at being involved. I mean, the girls could have gone on their holiday to try and visit him as well, oh, and, and get a further connection we'll send and some talk. Some more gossip to the yes, story, yes, and talk about it. <laughs> and some more layers. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, now he was actually described. Uncle John was described as another odd person with peculiar reactions. And I couldn't find out exactly what that meant, but it was a quote that somebody had made. So he stayed in the guest room for the night and the next morning, the fateful day when the murders happened, um, they all got up for breakfast and at breakfast was Andrew and Abby, Lizzie, uh, Morse, Uncle John, and Maggie, Maggie. So the the sister wasn't there. So Andrew and Uncle John went to the sitting room where they chatted for nearly an hour and and then Uncle John left about eight hours 48, I love how they say about, 848, a very precise number, uh, to buy a pair of oxen, as you do, and visit his other niece in Fall River, planning to return to the Borden home for lunch around about noon. Uh, And Andrew left for his morning walk sometime after nine. Now, this is where we start to wonder what went down. Abby, the mother, the stepmother, who doesn't normally do the cleaning, decided that she was going to go up and clean the guest room herself and tidy it up and make the beds. So... She went up there and um, was doing what she needed to do. And this is where she was murdered. Now, somewhere between 9 and 10.30 a.m., according to forensics of the time. Uh, The forensics weren't as good as what they are now.
1: Yes, but they were very specific about the 8.48, weren't they? They were. (laughs) Now, it says that when she got
0: hit with the first blow, she was facing the killer. So she must have stood there and watched them come into the room. Um, The first blow struck her on the side of the head with a hatchet just above her ear, causing her to turn around and fall face down on the floor. That created cuts and bruises on her face and nose and forehead. The killer then went berserk. Now, this report that I read said that they hit her 17 more times on the back of the head. Another article that I read said that her killer finished her off by either straddling her body or sitting on her back to deliver the other 19 blows. Now, they said 19. Mm. So we're getting different numbers. But head wounds, like even when you cut yourself, those head wounds bleed like nothing else. So can you imagine the blood splatter Mm.
1: that was coming from that? And also... To deliver with such force and so many, someone would have had to have been in a hysterical state. Yep. Or it would have had to be a male to deliver
0: that yeah. many blows a with hatchet. that much energy. Yeah. yeah. With that
1: much energy. So, yeah, yep. Yeah, work that one out. So Andrew, the father, has
0: returned around about 10.30. Now, his key, for some unknown reason, would no longer open the door. So he had to knock for attention. That's where the maid went to unlock the door. She found it jammed and uttered an expletive, apparently. And since she was from Ireland, she probably went, (laughs) feck. I just made that up. She would later testify that she heard Lizzie laughing immediately after doing this. She did not see Lizzie but stated that the laughter was coming from the top of the stairs. Or could this be a diabolical demon? No. <laughs> this was considered significant as Abby was already dead by this time and her body would have been visible to anyone on the home's second floor. It's going to stop. It is pouring rain outside.
1: I think it just adds the it mystery. It adds to it, okay. Yes, it all adds. Right. We're, we're, we're in the middle of a thunderstorm <laughs> right now, just at that point where the Bordens are about to be hacked to all right.
0: death. All right, all right,
1: let's keep going then. Let's keep going.
0: Today's
3: episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. What's the first thing that you'd do if, say, you had an extra hour in your day? Would you go for a run, maybe take a nap, read a book, or just show up for a friend? there are times that we need to reach out that hand and get a little help from somewhere else. That's what I did with better help. When I reached that limit and I realized things were getting a little bit out of control, instead of taking it out on my family or taking it out on myself, I just decided to reach out and get the help that I deserve. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give better help a try. It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy, my Darklings. Get BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash P60. Do that today. You're going to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash P60. It's time to take control of your life. Dave's here rooting you on. And if I can do this, you can do this. Let's do this together. Betterhelp.com slash P60. There's a link for it on today's program guide.
0: Lizzie later denied being upstairs and testified that her father had asked her where Abby was. And she had replied that a messenger had delivered Abby a summons, a summons to visit a sick friend. At this stage... After her father had come home, Lizzie supposedly, this is one of her testifying things she said, she removed Andrew's boots and helped him into his slippers for a nap on the sofa.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Girl, remove my shoes. Yeah.
0: Well, interestingly, the, the crime photos actually show uh, Andrew with his shoes on. Mm. Oops. Lizzie apparently at this stage, after the father's laid down to have a nap, his shoes on or off or slippers or whatever, uh, said that that department store she'd been interested in was having a sale and if the maid would like to go down there and have a look, she was more than welcome. So she's trying to get the maid out of the house. Yes, But the maid said she was feeling unwell and went to have a lie down instead. Now, do you know where the maid's room was? Third floor? The third floor. Where was the mother lying dead? Second floor. So if she'd gone up by the, the staircase, that the, the front way... She would have seen it.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, remember, they're in a house that isn't grand, so the likelihood is there is only one staircase. Oh, okay. Hmm. Um, or there
0: may have been a maid staircase. We there don't may know. may have been. We don't know. So the maid went up to the third-floor room. She heard Lizzie call out from downstairs around about 10 past 11. Maggie, come quick. Father's dead. Somebody came in and killed him. It's interesting she said someone came in. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Oh, that thunder is sounding fabulous. Perfect. Perfect. (laughs) Lizzie is with us. So she found Andrew slumped on a couch in the downstairs sitting room, struck 10 or 11 times with a hatchet-like weapon. Poor pigeons. Uh, the The hacking stopped after 11 blows after the handle broke off because the blade was stuck in his skull. Ew. And that becomes important. Uh, What was thought to be the murder weapon was found downstairs in the basement, and
1: it was just the head. Now, let me just intervene here. I have seen pictures of the two skulls. Yes. And they are, they're awful. (laughs) They're (laughs) they're awful. And the thing about the court case is that when Lizzie appeared in court, they actually brought the actual skulls out in court to show her. How did she react? Well, that's probably <laughs> probably part of what you're going to talk about with how Ooh, she is, was. Yes, I do have some sort
0: but of information. imagine
1: being shown the skulls of your dead parents. Wow! And what they looked like. That's a bit rough. It would have been but good there for was, the
0: newspapers. There was um, a, a video on YouTube that I saw where they brought out Abby's scarf and they laid it out. It's very frail and it still had the axe holes from where it's gone through, and they got out the hatchet head they found in the basement and they showed how it perfectly fit the hole. Yeah, I know. Goosebumps. (laughs) (laughs) So when Maggie saw the bodies, the father was still bleeding, so the wounds were very fresh, and one of his eyeballs was split in two. Oh. But that was sort of showing that he was actually asleep when the first blow landed. What a shock. And, again, there would have been blood splatter everywhere.
1: hmm Blood and bits of bone, bits yeah. of hair. Uh, there was another picture of a, um, Abby's plait hacked off and found near her body. Oh, That's wow. another picture that I saw, this piece of woven hair, plaited hair that had been hacked away as the axe fell and was chopping away at the skull. So whoever did this was in such a frenzy, such horror and hate was there that they could not stop themselves. Hmm. They just kept on at it and at it until they felt there was nothing remaining of the person that they were dealing with. And you wonder if a small framed woman...
0: Would be able to do this twice in one day. Exactly, that's a lot of blows. It is. Yes. I know adrenaline kicks in, but um, yeah. So the, my my point with the blood splatter is that she saw people in between the mother's death, the stepmother's death. Did she get changed? Into it. And those dresses are not easy to get in and out of back in the late
1: 1800s. Normally, you have to have assistance to get out Um, of those dresses. Which means that somebody would have had to have helped her. Mm -hmm. And then
0: there's the second murder. Yeah. Did she get changed again? So, how many changes of outfit has she gone through if she's murdered them? I'm just asking.
1: Mm. Now, maybe not necessarily there was a need to change clothes if the father was asleep. So we've had Abby. But she came
0: down and changed his shoes. So she's come face to face with the father. The mother's body hasn't been discovered. Right. Because it's upstairs. Right. So they're saying that, as you were saying, these crimes, uh, uh, this murder was um, very passionate and it's they think it's a family member with built-up rage and anger or someone that's a bit unbalanced that wanted to vent everything that was, you know, inside of them. And Lizzie wasn't the only one with a bone to pick. There mm-hmm. was William the Son. hmm who was not being acknowledged, not getting his money, mm-hmm. and um, they said that
1: he was unbalanced. Maybe they planned something together. Maybe they did. Yeah. Certainly doesn't sound to me as though she, Lizzie's got enough self actualization, if you want to say that, to do all these things on her own, unless mm. she's been brooding and planning this for a really long time, ever since those pigeons <laughs> Yeah, the
0: poor bloody pigeons earlier in the year. Yeah. <laughs> now, when... Um, when they discovered them, they've called out. You know, I found the body. Um, they got the doctor from across the road who came in to be um, a witness. So, yeah, yeah, a witness. But um, they. The police came in as well and they, they were saying that Lizzie was very calm and unemotional despite finding her father and stepmother the way that they were and they were saying it's a big red flag, um, especially when they said to her, where is your mother? And she replied coldly, she isn't my mother, she's my stepmother. Now, if they've got an ongoing feud, that would have been an automatic reply.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That was just a trigger that mm-hmm. she would have said that. Mm-hmm. If she's in shock she's also going to be that emotionless, mm-hmm. blank sort of person, particularly if they've been under some sort of emotional and psychological abuse mm-hmm. throughout the years. So um,
1: are you kind of saying that there could have been sexual abuse going on there? Well, we we do get to some
0: recent findings from people who have looked back at this case and the way that Lizzie behaves, and they they do seem to think that the way she reacts is from someone who has possibly suffered from sexual abuse. Now, they they did say that there was the emotional abuse Mm -hmm. and psychological abuse, but they're thinking possibly... There was other things going on as well. So they arrested her a couple of days later and um, her story kept changing. She was charged with three counts of first degree murder for her father, her stepmother, and another murder charge for killing the mother and stepmother. I don't understand that at all. Anyway, there was a... Uh, a trial that went on. She wanted to have her solicitor come in, but apparently they refused that and said that for you know building this case that they don't have solicitors come in at that stage. But after ten days, they found that she was not guilty, and there was no hard evidence. It was all circ- circumstantial. There was no witnesses that came forward to link her to the crimes, and the jury was simply not willing to send her to the death. Um, send her to death on what was presented. Now. The actual investigation of the case, the police officers got in trouble over this because they were pretty bloody slack. They were hopeless. So when the the police officers first questioned her, she gave strange, contradictory um, statements. She initially said she heard a groan or a scraping noise or a distress call before entering the house. Um, And then two hours later she was saying she heard nothing when they asked where her stepmother was, she recounted Abby receiving a note asking her to visit a f- sick friend. So she was pretending she didn't even know she was in the house. She also stated that she thought Abby had returned and asked if someone could go upstairs and look for her. So that's where the the neighbour um, came across and they went upstairs and they found the, you know, they only got to the top of the second floor and they could see it straight away what had happened. So the police did search her room. They went up there to search for things, um, but it wasn't a real thorough search. And at the trial, they admitted to not doing a proper search because Borden said she wasn't feeling well. Well, I mean, the mother and father or stepmother had just been murdered, or maybe she'd just murdered them and she was feeling a bit... Oh, so, sore, <laughs> sore arms maybe. Um, so they were criticized for their lack of diligence. They also found two hatchets down and two axes and a hatchet head with a broken handle. Remember we were talking about the handle broke? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, down in the basement and the one that was broken looked like it had fresh ash and dust rubbed on the head to make it look like the other tools that had been down there for a while. They, they never took the tools out of the house. The so police just left them there didn't look for blood. Now, they were also considering the possibility that she had poisoned them because they were all very sick leading to the... Yes. And yes. there was some mention about her going to a chemist yes. to purchase some poison, um, which she couldn't because she needed to have a prescription for it. And she was saying she she wanted this acid in a diluted form to clean her fur coat. But I would like to point out... The father refused to let any food go to waste and no matter how off it was, they had to eat the food. So a family friend said there'd been a mutton stew left on the stove for quite some time, which they were all forced to eat, uh, and they think it was actually food poisoning. So she couldn't get hold of the poison anyway and, yeah, the illness was probably a a bit of a tummy bug from eating. maggoty stew. Yuck. So on the night... Following the murders, um, Lizzie and Emma's friend Alice came to stay. And they, the house was under police guard because they were worried that somebody might come back. And uh, an officer witnessed uh, the girls carrying a kerosene lamp and a slop pail and into the cellar. Uh, and then Borden returned alone, though unable to see what they were actually doing. He stated it appeared she was bent over the
1: sink. Do. No. So, was this in an effort to maybe wash something,
0: maybe, or to burn a dress, or Ooh. because they they had the kerosene lantern down there as well? So they think they were disposing of evidence. But are you also saying that they've got a friend now with them? Yes, that means that Alice would have known about it. Yes, mm. that's interesting. So eventually on the 5th of August, uh, Uncle John left the house and was mobbed by hundreds of people. Police had to escort him back into the house. Uh, And, you know, the rumours are starting to fly. Who's killed the parents? Uh, They did a more thorough search of the house at that stage, inspecting the sister's clothing and confiscating the broken hatchet handles. This is
1: a number of days later, though. Yeah, yeah. And and everyone's been in the house since all of this has happened. Yep.
0: And you know they've been witnessed down in the the cellar doing something. So just, it's just <laughs> yeah, it's really bad. Yeah. Um. The, the next morning, Russell entered the kitchen to find Borden tearing up a dress. She explained that she was planning to put it on the fire because it was covered in paint. It was never determined whether it was the dress she'd been wearing on the day of the murders. Mm,
1: that's so sloppy. Yeah.
0: So at the inquest. As I said, she requested to have her family lawyer present, but they refused. Um, Something about a state statute um, saying that, you know, you can't have your lawyer there for that. Now, at this stage, she'd been prescribed regular doses of morphine to calm her nerves. So she's been taken off, accused of murder now, and they're dosing her up with morphine Mm -hmm. for this trial. Is it any wonder that her story kept changing she mm-hmm. probably couldn't string two
1: words together. And remember the whole incident with the skulls as well. Yes. So they that- said her
0: behaviour was erratic and she often refused to answer a question, even if the answer would be beneficial to her. Maybe she just couldn't hold on to the thought. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she often contradicted herself and provided alternating accounts of the morning in question, such as saying she was in the kitchen reading a magazine, uh, then saying she was in the dining room doing some ironing, then saying she was coming down the stairs, uh, and there's the whole thing about the boots and the slippers and all of that sort of thing as well. The district attorney was very aggressive and confrontational with her, providing skulls, the poor little chicken. and, um, And she was um, served a warrant and arrested. The newspaper articles at the time stated that, you know, Borden was a a stolid demeanour and bit her lips and flushed and bent towards the attorney Adams. Also reported that the testimony provided in the inquest had caused a change of opinion amongst her friends. Maybe it was the friend that went down into the basement with them. And she strongly maintained her innocence, but they started to doubt her. And the press then got hold of it and it you know, became the, a bit of a three-ring circus, as you do. But there just wasn't enough evidence to convict her mm. because there were no witnesses. So she was acquitted. Now, there are several speculations as to what might have gone down. There is a novel. Now, here we go. Here comes the writers. Yep. Yep. Let's all make some money on this because this is a great story. 1984 novel, Lizzie. Now, when was the Amityville ones? 1970s, 70s.
1: So we've got some
0: good good novels coming out. So um, he suggested, Ed McBain suggested, that uh, Borden committed the murders after being caught in a lesbian tryst with the maid Maggie. Goodness. Goodness That's a twist that has not
1: been added up till that point in time.
0: And apparently Lizzie always used to keep her bedroom door shut, but on that particular day she'd left it open and maybe Abby came up the stairs and caught a little bit of shenanigans, shall we say, and Lizzie flew into a rage and And, killed her, mm. which then would give her someone to help her out with the mm-hmm. what was happening. The yep. Maggie Maggie the maid. Yeah, so uh Abby had caught them and reacted with horror and disgust and then Andrew would have returned and they confessed to him that they'd killed Abby in a rage with a hatchet when he reacted as he would have, somewhat upset. They then turned on him and hacked him to pieces as well. But that sort of doesn't really no, work with the fact no, that he was no. asleep in oh, no. the yeah. I I think that's just a really good story. Yeah, um, but she did not ever marry. But uh, apparently Sullivan the maid um, did actually get married later on in life and settled down in Butte, Montana. So she she went on with a life. The other suspect was Uncle John, who rarely met with the family after the sister died but had slept in the house the night before and had had those discussions with Daddy. Other potential suspects was um, the maid, possibly in retaliation for being ordered to clean the windows on a hot day. (laughs) That's, that's a pretty big murder for her. Yeah, uh, no. For, mm, no. Yeah, no, no I, I think. Um, and at the time she was still recovering from that mystery illness that had struck the household. Well, we worked out that was food poisoning. Yeah. Then there's, of course, William Borden, who is suspected of being Andrew's illegitimate son. That's in another book you can find out about that one. Lizzie Borden, The Legend, The Truth, The Final Chapter. So he had failed to extort money. So he's he's a good suspect as well. Now, Emma was the one who had an alibi. She was away at the time at Fairhaven, about 15 miles away. So, yeah, she she was out of the picture. But after all this went down, Lizzie was acquitted. Mm-hmm. Now, because the mother was killed first, that meant the mother's inheritance went to the father. Right. So he got everything. Yes. But
1: then the father but was killed. But then the
0: father was killed. Yes. Which meant... The girls got everything. Right. Now, if they'd killed them the other way around, it would have been a wholly different story. So after that, the, the rumours and the gossip in the town, they all assumed she'd done it. So she refused to leave her town. She left that house and bought a beautiful home called Maplecroft, which I think you're going to talk about. She also changed her name to Elizabeth Borden, Elizabeth A. Borden. So throughout her life, at Fall River, she was ostracised, um, and it didn't help that in 1897 she came back into the public eye for shoplifting.
1: Why? Why would she need shoplift? Yeah, that sounds really weird. I, th- I think the, the the township still had it in for her and were looking for any reason to make her life a misery when she walked out of the house. Yep.
0: So now that she was finally free of her father's tyranny, she loved the arts and she used to have um people, traveling artists, come in and perform at Maplecroft and they'd have parties and and a lovely time. But the sister had a big fight with her. And in nineteen oh five, Emma moved out of the house and never saw her sister again. Wow, how sad. It is. It it's is a really, really it's it's like a, a, a curse
1: is on the family, yeah. really.
0: Yep. And then at the time of Lizzie's death, sorry, Lisbeth, she was worth close to $5 million. She had lots of properties and houses and cars and jewellery. But in her will, she left money to many, many people, including an animal rescue league. Um, She left money for the perpetual care of her father's grave. She left money to friends, cousins, family members. So she really did try to take care of people in her will, which was very different to what her father was going to do. But just before I finish up, there's some really interesting little pointers I want to bring up. When the stepmother was being attacked, they were saying that her face was smashed beyond recognition. Mm-hmm. So that, according to the experts and the profilers, says that whoever the killer was really enjoyed it. They, they wanted to remove her identity now, Lizzie herself had difficulty forming relationships. She avoided the company of men, both young and old, and apparently wasn't very good at making
1: eye contact with people. Now, yeah. what's, what's that, Signs of Renata? That sounds like fear and domination to me. Yeah. It could also be some form of um, abuse, whether it be intellectual um, or sexual abuse or yeah. both and there was
0: big rumours about incest within the family. I'll get to that in a second. Many of the the doors had multiple locks on them, including the front door, and the house felt like it had lots of secrets. Scientists say that the the murder itself would have been very noisy. There was axe hitting bone, possibly victims crying out, and it wouldn't have been a quiet crime. And Maggie the maid was there. yep, asleep. With a headache after... Washing windows. Yes. There's also the point that Lizzie had tried to buy poison, so does that mean she was thinking about murdering them? Now, the deaths themselves between the father and the stepmother were only 90 minutes
1: apart, but if you was in there to rob the house... You wouldn't have stayed that You wouldn't long. have stayed 90 and minutes. And you wouldn't have worried about taking those items that were used to kill them and storing them away down in the cellar. Where did they even know the cellar was? Yeah, that's right. Um, But before the death of Abby,
0: the the stepmother, apparently she had found the maid's cat in the basement with its head hacked off. Oh. Oh, poor baby. Was this revenge for the pigeons or Mm. was someone practising for the main event? Mm. Who knows? But the ultimate kicker is that Lizzie or Lisbeth when she finally died, was laid to rest with her
1: father and her stepmother, all in the one plot. Mm. I wonder whether she wrote that in her will. Or whether they just did that so that they didn't have to spend any money maybe they put it elsewhere. Yeah,
0: they hadn't thought about it, maybe. <laughs> so in 1918, the Borden home, the place of the unsolved crimes, was sold to a private family. The house was used as a private home for many years with no problems, um, but they had issues with the, the people who wanted a sticky beak and put their nose in and, and find out what was happening in there. Since 1948, this home... Uh, has been in the McGinn family line. And when the McGinn's inherited the Borden home from a grandmother, they decided to take advantage of people's curiosity. Good on them. The McGinn's renovated and restored the mansion to look just like it did when the Bordens lived there. They set the antique era furniture up exactly the way it was on the infamous day in August. So they would have crime scene photos, so they would have been able to put that there. In 1996, they opened it up as Lizzie Borden Bed and Breakfast, hoping to get members of the public to pay and stay and look around, finding a way of making a long-time annoyance into a way of making a living. People indeed were ready to spend the night and learn about the murders. Now, what I want to know is, did they stir up the spirits and bring the ghosts out of hiding?
1: Yes, I do think that they have had plenty of success in stirring up the spirits, Anne. And to tell you the truth, you've done a really good job with finding out all the information about Lizzie Borden. If anybody is interested in looking up the transcript of the court proceedings, it is actually there. You can check it word for word to see what questions Lizzie was actually asked and how she replied But let's get back to the Borden house and that it has been turned into a bed, breakfast and museum and you can hire the whole house for just over $2,000 a night. Oh, it's a bargain! Yeah, or you can hire a floor or even one of the rooms. You can sleep in one of the rooms where the horrible events went down Um, and we know that there's a whole lineup of people who would love to do that because that's just what they like to do. They kind of get their rocks off on sleeping in places where people have been murdered. Wonder whether oh. they got the stains out of the carpet, in. Oh,
0: but this is the sort of thing we do, Renata. We love this sort of holiday.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. It's yeah, you're torn, aren't dark you? Dark tourism, dark yeah, tourism. You're, t- you're torn between that sense of going, oh my gosh, something really awful happened here, and oh my gosh, I wonder if I could find something else out.
3: Yeah,
1: it doesn't end there because the people that own the. Um, Lizzie Borden Bed and Breakfast Museum also purchased Maplecroft. Oh. They were told by the people that owned it prior to them that Maplecroft was not haunted. Right. There was nothing going on, but they bought it anyway. Mm -hmm. So it makes you wonder whether... They had the idea of it being just another moneymaker for them yeah. because, again, here you have another property that can be rented out to ghost hunters, paranormal investigators who want to spend time and want to see whether Lizzie was at Maplecroft rather than at the Lizzie Borden house. It sounds like a good business plan. Yeah. Why not have two houses that you can hire at instead of just one? Now, we found out about this because Maplecroft is at the moment for sale again, yeah. Oh, is it? It is. <gasps> it's almost nine hundred thousand US dollars. Oh,
0: yeah, that might be more than I've got in my back pocket. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so possibly they're thinking about turning it back into a bed and breakfast, or if someone wants to purchase it uh, and make it a private home, they can do that, I guess. Would they be running another um, business out of it after what has been going on all of this time? Or maybe, you know, some interesting buyers will do that. I guess time will tell. But let's go to some of the investigations and some of the things that have been found in Maplecroft. And this is kind of really the territory of a investigator that we know very well. And her name is Amy Bruni. Yeah, I I really
0: like the way she investigates.
1: Yeah, she uh, has a show called Kindred Spirits. With Adam. With Adam and Chip Coffee. Yeah. And she is very interested in the Lizzie Borden story because she lives very close by. She doesn't live very far away. Now, Chip Coffee had a bit of a say in one of the early episodes when they went to the house and he says, do I believe Lizzie Borden committed the murders? Yes and no. I believe Lizzie's body killed her father and stepmother, but that she suffered from dissociative identity disorder. Mm. So in truth, one of her alternate personalities committed the crimes. Wow. So mental health. Mental health. Does this explain her state of mind in the courtroom and that possibly then another persona was sitting there Oh, during when they the were court saying, proceedings,
0: when they were saying that, um, also that she was um, acting weirdly, weirdly, yes, but as they were, she was also drugged up on morphine. She so was,
1: yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? We can we can only speculate. We weren't there, obviously, um, but I want to give you some information about some of the things that have been found in Maplecroft, and it's said that photos of misty human forms have been taken in the living room um, also evps have been caught on a lot of recording devices uh, there is also an evp of lizzie and bridget or maggie sullivan And in an episode of Ghost Lab, the investigators there also got another interesting EVP. So
0: this was the Lizzie Borden house. They got these EVPs. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, And they asked, did Lizzie kill you for your money? And a male voice allegedly answered, you got that right. Ooh. Now, there's also another YouTube video. What? looks like the apparition of Andrew Borden is pointed out in a crime scene photo located on the far left looking at his own body. So I'd like to find that photo and have a bit of a look at that because the photos from this whole scene are very, very gruesome. Very gruesome indeed. And you can find these photos quite readily. Yeah, they're on the internet. I think Facebook might get us. We
0: might get a ban if we put those (laughs) ones up. I I got a ban for putting someone's feet up the other day.
1: You did. We won't go there, Anne, because that that photo shocked me. Anyway, (laughs) took me a while to find the feet. But anyway, I I got there in the end. So let's let's take a look at what Amy says because this is probably the most interesting information that I found about uh, the evidence of any hauntings that are there. And so Amy says that she lives or lives in the area and she's gotten to investigate the house often over the last 10 years or so. She's been to investigate probably about a dozen times, she says, both with small groups and to film TV episodes. So she says that in season three of Kindred Spirits, they investigated the Lizzie Borden house because one of the guides her name was Sue, felt that she was specifically being targeted by different kinds of activity. Now, when they got in contact with who they believed to be Andrew Borden, they found that the activity was actually coming from Sue's grandparents. Ah. So did Andrew Borden say, it's not me, guys. (laughs) This is someone Sue knows. Um, Or did Sue's grandparents come through and identify themselves? I'm not sure. It doesn't say that. But what they... Found was that the grandparents were trying to get a message through to the guide Sue, to tell her to go home and visit her father because um, he didn't have long to live.
0: And that's interesting because that's happened to us on investigations as well. When we used to do um like our table tipping and glass dowsing work, um, more often than not, it was family members who were jumping in at the opportunity to reach out to their loved ones and get a message to them.
1: Mm-hmm. So over the years, she's witnessed a lot of paranormal activity in the home where the murders took place. She says it's a great spot to bring people who are just learning to investigate. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go to the murder house, everyone. It's a good place to start off. Yeah, there's always something going on there. No demons. Uh, But the more she investigates the Borden house, the more she realises that even though there is strong activity there, none of it seems to be interacting with her. So she's kind of saying there's no intelligent energies there. She says that the house has a lot of residual energy. And I think what she's also saying is that she's not getting evidence
0: of Lizzie. She's, um, but a lot of other people are. And this is where we run into this whole confirmation bias thing where paranormal investigators go in and they're expecting to talk to Lizzie. And so therefore any evidence they get,
1: they are attributing to that. Exactly. You've bought your ticket for the night. You want to speak to Lizzie. So anything that happens must be Lizzie, Lizzie or I want my money back. But Amy says no, she's never found Lizzie at the house at all. Um, She says that the house is filled with artefacts and newspaper clippings. Um, Of course, you've got the gift shop, you've got that (laughs) energy that is fed into the house by the tour guides, uh, by the prep that goes into preparing everyone before they go into the house. So she sort of states this really interesting statement, where she says the energy of the Borden house is fed often and fed well. Mm -hmm. And it's by one of the most notorious true crime cases in American history. And
0: that's what we talk about quite often as well, is that people um, feed the urban legend And uh, then
1: sometimes it becomes a reality. It's a lie. Now, Amy's written a new book. Oh, yes. Life with the Afterlife, 13 Truths I've Learned About Ghosts. And here she talks about her investigations of Maplecroft, which is the other home that Lizzie then went to, changed her identity, per se, she changed her name to Lisbeth Mm -hmm. and lived happily with her sister after the death of her parents. So they inherited some family money and bought the much larger home and it really became a sanctuary away from the prying eyes of the rest of the town. It was in in the upper class on the hill. She finally got to the hill. Yeah. So she lived in that home for about 30 years until her death in 1927 and when Amy and the gang from Kindred Spirits arrived to film an episode, Maplecroft had never been investigated by any other ghost hunters. They oh. were the first to investigate the space in over 90 years. Wow. So the woman who owned Lizzie Borden's house purchased Maplecroft and was preparing to open the building to the public. So the previous owners, as I said before, told her it wasn't haunted. Mm-hmm. But she says that once she and her employees spent time there, they started to witness a lot of activity. Well, of course they did. Strange about that. They
0: can open it up for a boarding house. It needs to be active. Otherwise, yeah. the ghost hunters won't
1: come. So they heard loud footsteps. They heard disembodied voices of a woman and laughter at strength. Strange times so before amy started to investigate she bought in chip coffee she blindfolded him she let him into the house to see whether he could give her any clues so he had no idea where he was going no so he says all of a sudden i became very agitated and upset there is a sense of being out of control i am being hit by every kind of emotion I'm trying to get a grip on my emotions and I just can't. I hear, stop, leave me alone. Now Chip goes on to say that he's picking up the spirit of a woman who's getting very angry. And he goes on to say, you all think you know everything. You know nothing about me. And of course, this is the voice or the words from this spirit woman that he is picking up on. And he says, she's screaming, don't help me. You got him blindfolded. You think you're smart. I don't care what you think. I have to look right. I won't crack. I'm sorry. So she is being very ardent and really is staying true to her story even after death, if this, in fact, is Lizzie. Mm. So as part of their research, Amy spoke to a historian named Christopher Daly And he said, it's America's Jack the Ripper case and people are going to be uh, talking about this case forever. And as Chinese whispers grow, so has the case. And so it has really evolved from what it began as. And Christopher goes on to explain that Lizzie chose to stay in Fall River even though the entire town turned against her. They were suspecting that she had been the murderer of her parents, even though she was acquitted of the crime. As she said, when the truth comes out about this murder, I want to be living in Fall River so I can walk downtown and meet those of my friends who have been cutting me down all these years. Wow. Wow. So he also told them a key piece of information, and that is that Lizzie adopted a new name, Lisbeth that's what's on her gravestone. Even though her birth name is Lizzie, it's how she chose to be addressed for the rest of her adult life. So the night before they'd gotten an EVP response in the name of Lizzie Borden, and really they thought that they might be talking to her. But besides that one answer, they got nothing. Mm -hmm. And so from what Chip indicated, she didn't care to speak. She didn't want to speak. And remember that in the Borden house, it seems to be that EVPs were the big thing that people were getting. Mm -hmm. They were getting loads of EVPs. So why is she speaking over there and doesn't really want to speak at Maplecroft?
0: It was her sanctuary. It was her
1: sanctuary. Yeah. Leave me alone. Adam suggested approaching the night investigation in, in a different way. And they removed all things in the home that discussed the murder. So, all artifacts, all remnants of anything that would have had. Anything to do with the murder? And there
0: would have been a lot in there because I remember they had like a, an axe in a, um, a little glass case and and all sorts of things. So it's yeah. all the stuff that Lizzie was trying sorry, Lisbeth was trying to avoid in her life. Yeah.
1: So Adam said that they needed to make the home feel like a home for Lisbeth again mm-hmm. and they called her Lisbeth. And this is why I like these guys. Yeah. They're very respectful. So they set up the normal equipment, spirit boxes, you know, other devices around the house, and they said, we went upstairs to a sitting room. Adam stayed downstairs and asked questions through a walkie-talkie. Yeah, this is really
0: interesting. They had her upstairs blindfolded in a room um, and she had the headphones on so she couldn't hear the questions. And he was uh, downstairs asking the questions
1: through a walkie-talkie and Amy was answering him. Wow. Wow. So this is a conversation. My friend Amy is upstairs, he said. I'd love you to reach out to her, please. Can you tell her your name? The answer is Lisbeth. You're going to have a lot of people coming in here to try and talk to you. And most of these people are going to try to talk about... ...directly... Yes, they're going to talk to you directly. I'm lost. The people that own this house now also own the house. Don't say anything, it's not me. People are going to ask you about what happened in Second Street. We're trying to warn you and let you know to see if that's okay with you. Please talk to them. Are you there? So you're saying it's okay for people to come to talk to you about your past, come back. What would you like to talk about? He felt, he says, as though someone was walking through the room, but when he turned around, no one was there. So he carries on and he says, do you miss someone, Lisbeth, from your past? She answers, you get used to it, I'm upset. He says, what are you upset about? And she says, stop, stop it, alone. I tried. And he says, we had a full conversation with the ghost of Lisbeth Borden, maybe for the first time ever. I was hearing full sentences, which almost never happened with ghost replies in EVP sessions or spirit box experiments. That's the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, often we get full sentences when we're actually channeling And the spirit box is used as a prompt, but to get full sentences from the spirit box is Mm. astounding. Yep. So he says, It was hard to hear, though she seemed so conflicted and lonely so many years after her death. And Adam says he thinks the only reason that Elizabeth chose to speak to them was that they broke the ice with her and treated her with kindness, even though they were looking for one of the most sought-after spirits of all time who may or may not have been a murderer. They kind of say, you know, in the end, we don't know for sure. We don't know whether she's been calling out to other people and they just haven't heard her uh, and they haven't asked the right questions. And Amy sort of says that in the end she felt like she had made a friend of Lisbeth. So even though one of the producers was really pushing for them to ask whether she was guilty, they wouldn't do it. Oh, good on them. Mm. They would have violated the trust they'd built up with her, and that's absolutely true. Yep. And everything they had worked for. So Adam and Amy never asked whether she had did it. If they did they would be lying to her the whole time when they promised not to talk about the murders. So they they really didn't want to go back on what they had started with her, which was to create a line of communication that was deep and truthful so that Lizzie could feel as though if an opportunity arrived in the future and she could open up and say something that she could trust them. Now, in the end, we do not have anything that tells us I guess, um, from the point of information coming through directly from Lizzie. So we have to leave this one up in the air. We, we don't know whether she did it or not. We don't have a right to say that she did and assume that that is what happened. Uh, there could be a lot of people involved in this. I personally think that if it would be too much for Lizzie on her own to do Uh, I think that she would have had to have a number of people involved, but that's just kind of my theory on what I feel when I'm reading all of this and when we've talked about this story. What do you think, Anne? Well, for me, it's not whether she did it or didn't
0: do it. It is, is this a true haunting? Mm. Is she still there? Is she at the Lizzie Borden Bed and Breakfast Museum? Or is she at Maplecroft?
1: If there was anywhere for a restless spirit to be, it wouldn't be at the place of the murder. I think people keep calling her back there and that would irritate her no end. She would be in the only place that she found solace and harmony, which was the place that she set up for herself, which would be Maplecroft.
0: Agreed. Mm. I think if she's going to be anywhere, it's Maplecroft.
1: But I guess it's for all of you to decide. If you take a trip to the Lizzie Borden Bed and Breakfast, make sure you contact us and tell us if there was anything that you found while you were investigating.
0: Well, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of True Hauntings. Thank you
2: for listening to this episode of True Hauntings. If you like the show, give us a five star rating and leave a review. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. For more on Ann and Renata, follow at Ann and Renata on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube.